All right, let's turn to Psalm 119, verse 145. We're going to look at uh, the 19th or the 19th set, Kof. Uh, if I said that right, I don't speak Hebrew, but that's pretty close, I think. Uh, all right, 145 ver- down through verse 152. 145 down through verse 152. It says this, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the blessing of your word, your revelation to us. So many things, Lord, in your word that had you not revealed them to us, we would have no way of knowing these truths. Thank you for your word and thank you for your provision of it, Lord. Thank you for the the heart that you've given to, to us, to your people, by your spirit, to want to know your word. Uh, the Not just the desire for knowledge, but uh, a very deep-seated hunger and thirst for, for your word. And uh, Lord, thank you so much for that. Lord, if it wasn't for your work in us, Lord, we would be, we would be totally undone. But Lord, you've drawn us to yourself and you've revealed yourself to us and you've given us these great truths, these wonderful uh, realities that we get to enjoy. Thank you for that. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for how the gospel has affected all these people here this morning and how it has changed them and brought them into a right relationship with you. Lord, thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray for our church that you would uh, protect us from uh, the work of the devil. I pray that you would protect us individually from temptation. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, cause us to stand and continue to walk with you, to do your will, and to be obedient. Uh, Lord, help us to be a church here in Greenville, regardless of what other people, other churches do. Lord, help us to be faithful to you and to be a light here in this area. And uh, Lord, we just we pray for our Sunday school time now, not just for ours, but also for the others like Miss Pam and Miss McLean and uh, the Baruchs, Lord, as they teach. Lord, give them wisdom and understanding. Help the kids to pay attention. Help them to uh, derive benefit from the Sunday school today and help each one here as well. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right. Psalm 119, verse 145 is a psalm, verse 145, you'll see in in verse 145, 146, 147, and then also down through verse number, uh, that actually throughout the psalm, but I just point out a few things here in verse 145. He says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. 
Verse 146 says, I cried unto thee, save me. Verse 147 says, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. 148, he's meditating. 149, he mentions the cry again. Uh, this is, hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. And then in 150, it doesn't say he's crying out to God, but he is crying out to God because he's telling the Lord how that they, the, the ones that are seeking mischief, his enemies are getting close, drawing nigh. And then in 151, he's also calling upon the Lord. So this is, a, this is a section that deals primarily with crying out to God. And there's some good truths in here. You can see in verse 145, 46, and 47, you can see how he cried. Verse 145 says he cried with his whole heart. Verse 146 tells us to whom he cried. He cried unto the Lord. And that's an important point. That's an important point. You know, one thing I remember as mission, when we were missionaries in Cambodia, that one of the most difficult or one difficult thing it was to teach people and one great, uh, one great pitfall that many of the Cambodian people, people fell into was they, whenever they had trouble, whenever they had a, a problem, a money problem, a sickness problem, their, it was not, their default reaction, their instinctive reaction was not to cry out to God. It was all, especially when you talk about money, dealing with money, their, their instinctive reaction and response was to go to their family or go to the local uh, what the equivalent of basically like a loan, a loan shark, you know, 25% interest kind of thing. Uh, actually, actually, it was more like if you compounded it annually, it would be like way over 25%, sometimes 100% if you had an APR, but it was like 10% a month, you know. So if you, borrowed, if you borrowed $500, you were paying back the next month $550, and the month after that would be 50 more and 50 more. That's, that's 120% interest. It's, close there too anyway. And, uh, but that's what they did. Their instinctive reaction was to cry out to man. And it's, it's, we, understand that, we understand that man, sometimes God uses the instrumentality of men to answer our cry, right? I know many times when I, was, when I had first got, gotten married, uh, I, had, I had a lot of money problems. In other words, I just didn't, my wife didn't work except at home. And, uh, and then I, I had a job that didn't pay very much, and I was going to college, and, and uh, I had a lot of expenses, new kids and all that stuff. Many, some of you probably remember that. And we were poor. We was poe, like eating noodles and ketchup poe. And um, so we just we cried out to God. We cried out to God. But what we found is that sometimes people would, people would supply the need. But we counted, we said thank you to them, but we also counted that as God's supply at the same time. So God uses people. But our first cry should always be to the Lord. Our first cry should always be to the Lord. And when we do that, and then whatever means he chooses to use, whether it be a check uh, from, you know, uh, insurance or some, you know, my wife one time got a check from uh, a high school job she had. They did an audit. We had, we had not been married very long, and they did an audit of, uh, it was the goodies department store on Wade Hampton. And when they did an audit, audit of, their, 
uh, payroll from year going back years, they found that, that they had made a, an error in her favor and they sent her a check and it was just like right at the time we needed it. Um, and no matter how the Lord might use whatever he might use to supply the need, when we cry to him first, then, then we recognize the need came that was answered from God, regardless of whatever uh, instrument he used. So uh, I know in Cambodia that was a big deal, uh, teaching people to cry out to God first, trusting God first, and then you take steps to resolve the situation as much as you can and, and uh, wait upon the Lord for His, His grace. And that, listen, that includes sickness. This includes sickness. You know, our first, our first reaction when, when there's illness or whether it's something very serious or something just, an, just a regular common sickness should be to go to God with it. Go to God first. Go to God first. Go to God first. And then go to the doctor all you want. But go to God first. All right? Uh, verse 147 tells us, so verse 145 says how he cried. Verse 146, to whom he cried. And verse 147 is when he cried. When he cried. And that makes a difference too. And we'll get to that in just a second. Let's look at a few, do a, a short perusal of uh, Psalm 119, because in verse 145 it says, I cried with my whole heart. And we have come across that several times in the psalm. So look at verse 2 of the psalm, if you would. Verse 2. Verse 2 and verse 10, they're together, close together, that say this, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. Verse 10 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. So in this psalm we see not only did he cry out to God with his whole heart, he sought the Lord with his whole heart. Verse 130, uh, I'm sorry, verse 34, if you would look at that. He says, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So he observed God's commandments with his whole heart. Verse 58 says this, This I had, I'm sorry, I misread the verse number. Verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. So he entreated or sought God's favor with his whole heart. Verse 69 says this, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Again, he kept God's precepts with his whole heart. Now, there's other passages we could go. I just want to kind of review those because we've studied all of those. But one thing that stands out as you look at that and how many times that's mentioned, listen, our relationship to God is one that is primarily of the heart. It's not of the form as much as, as it is of the heart. You know, you think about the Lord's Supper. We do the Lord's Supper and... We have a way that we do it. But you know what? There are very few guidelines in the Scripture about how to do the Lord's Supper. Do you know that? And you go to different places in the world, and it's done different ways. I mean, the basic elements are the same, obviously. You know, there's a, there's a very simple and basic structure for the Lord's Supper. But, you know, we would be in error to think that there's a certain way to do everything and a certain words that had to be prescribed. That's not what it's about. It's not about the form. 
And whether you're talking about uh, a, uh, what we might call a, a ritual or a rite or something that is biblical like that, or whether you're talking about something personal like prayer or reading the Bible, you know, you might, you might have, uh, you might read your Bible, you might try to read three chapters a day or six, you read it in a year, you're reading about three chapters, you might read six or 10 or some people read 30 or 40, some people read 100, I don't know. To be honest with you, when I hear people uh, put on social media, I mean, this is just my own personal uh, irritation, this is just, this is my personal irritation, my hobby horse. When I see people to say, oh, I read 40 chapters a day and they put it on social media, I ask myself, why do you put it on social media? Read your 40 chapters and go about your day. You've been noticed nobody ever says, I read my three chapters today. <laughs> do they? I read my three chapters today. They don't. You know why? Well, I think you know why. But the point, the point being is, though, it's not about the form. It's not about how many. It's, you know, sometimes you get in the Word, right? You re- you're going to read your three chapters because that's, that's the, the method you've chosen, and that's perfectly fine. And you get bogged down in one, pass- one small passage or a set of verses or even one verse, and you spent all the time that you have set aside on that one thing. Maybe you're making notes, and I encourage you, take notes, write it down. That helps you because it, it, it brings that information in more than one, one, one uh, input, you might say, into your mind. You see it visually, you speak it, you hear it, you write it with your hands. All those things help you retain information. Well, so you make notes on one verse, and you don't even get to the other parts of, the, of your reading for the day. You ought not feel guilty about that. I feel guilty about because it's not about the form. It's about the heart, right? It's about the heart. That's what the Lord is concerned with. That's why you see it so often. Now, don't use that, though, as an excuse to be like, well, the pastor said, it, you know, I can just read one verse and it's fine. Now, that's not what I said. <laughs> we use that. We sinners are so good at making excuses for being lazy. And I'll raise both of my hands here. <laughs> not very high, though. Not very high. But it's all, it's all about the heart. We sing, listen, when we sing in the congregation, it's about our heart. It's not about the number of songs. It's not about the number of verses. I'm a, I'm a person that likes to sing all the verses of the songs, unless there's something unbiblical about it. I want to sing all the verses because if it's worth singing, it's worth, I mean, the, the author put his heart into that, and that's just the way I like it, all right? And the people have different opinions, and that's fine. But, but the point is, it's not about the number of verses or the number of songs, it's about singing with your heart. It's not about the way you sound. It's about singing with your heart. And see, here's the thing. That's good for Brother Stewart. It's good. So good. So good. <laughs> Sometimes I left his tie mic on, and this is going to happen to me, too. Just, just wait. We're like, Brother Phil, Brother Phil, turn it off. No, I'm just joking, of course. Although he would say the same. But... When we go to sing, sometimes that's the difference. Listen now, that's the difference between enjoying the song service and not is where your heart is. In fact, that is 9.9 times out of 10, that's the difference. Whether you're singing with your heart to God or not. Because anything your heart's not in is drudgery, pretty much. You know, you get audited by the IRS. (laughs) I don't think your heart's going to be in it. So that's what it's about. 
The Lord focuses on that. It doesn't matter if you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Our relationship to God is a relationship that's primarily of the heart, not the form. He says in verse 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Now to cry out to God, to cry out to God with the whole heart, it means we leave no reserve. We leave no reserve when we cry out to him. In other words, we expose the entirety, the sum total of our thoughts and feelings on a matter. Sometimes, how many of you have been in prayer and there were thoughts in your mind about prayer? In other words, a lot of times it'll, it'll be doubt. When we're actually in prayer, we're praying words. You know, remember the form versus the heart. Remember, we're praying words. That's the form. But in our heart is doubt. How many of you have ever done that? That, listen, you're in good company. That goes to Peter and uh, James and John and all the best of them, the best of them. So we pray with the form, but in our heart is doubt. Why not just tell God that? He knows, you know? In other words, when you pray with your whole heart, you expose to God everything. And you're completely transparent. If you're having a hard time believing the Lord, tell the Lord that. If you're having a hard time with temptation, well, I shouldn't say that to God. God knows it already. Tell it to Him. You should be totally exposed to God. You know, that's the only place in, in prayer, in your prayer closet, is the only place where you can be totally exposed. You're not, not every thought in your mind and heart is, is, is given to your wife or to your husband, but to God every single thing can be laid out before him. That's one of the meanings of to, pr to, uh, to pray with the whole heart. We are totally transparent before him. The second thing I want to kind of point out in verse 145 is I want us to remember that when God listens to us, he is listening primarily not to the form of our words, but to our heart speaking. Because as I said, often what we say, again, we're talking about crying out to God, often what we say and what's in our heart aren't consistent. We're terribly good at being inconsistent. But God is listening to our heart, regardless of the words. Hold your place here and look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Move this mic here a second. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. All right. Romans 8, verse 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the, the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he, the Spirit, 
maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know what that tells us? If you kind of kind of read it and try to understand the, the, the context and the meaning here, that tells us that oftentimes our prayers are wrong or off target or incomplete or lacking in some way. So much so that the, the Holy Spirit comes between us and the Father and maybe you might say interprets what we say, intercedes on our behalf. Maybe that means takes what takes what's in our heart and presents it in a way that is right, better, correct, however you want to say it, to the Father. That, that's what it says. The Spirit of God makes intercession. He makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. That means we're praying, but He's fixing it. Again, it's not about the form. It's about the heart. Oftentimes we say the wrong words. You're going to see more, more about this in just a minute. So the Spirit of God speaks to us to the speaks for us to the Father. Listen to this quote by Thomas Brooks. He's a, he was a Puritan. He says this: In all your closet duties, God looks first and most to your hearts. Listen, I, I, I believe, I know I, I can only say from my personal opinion, but I believe this is applicable. To, to all of us, if we concentrate it on our heart, and that, of course, that doesn't mean it excludes everything else, all, the, all that we do, but the heart, out of the heart, are the issues of life. In other words, what we do, our lifestyle, our behavior, our actions, our words, all come out of the heart. Our Lord said that very plainly, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, etc. This is what the Lord said. So if we concentrate it on the heart, then when the, when the form came later and the actual the acting out of what's in our heart, it would be good and our heart would also be good and right. <clears throat> if we concentrate it on our heart, it would resolve a lot of the issues that we have. So many times we, wanna, we want to focus on the way things appear or sound or, uh, or seem rather than on what's really there inwardly. But again, our relationship to God is one that is, deals primarily with the heart. Back in our psalm, verse 145, I cried with, the, with my whole heart. We don't need to worry about elegance. We don't need to worry about length of our prayer. We don't need to worry about, Brother David, how logical necessarily our prayer is. Brother David is very analytical and logical. And I, I'm also afflicted with that same affliction. But see, that's not what it's about. It's about what our heart, what's in our heart. It's about how hearty our cry is. Contrast that, though, with the prayer of the heathen. And this is, this is an important point. In Matthew chapter 6, I'll read it to you just so that you can kind of get, you know the verse, but I'll read it just for for um, to understand the point the Lord makes. Matthew 6, verse 7 says this, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You notice they care about the form. They care about the number of times the prayer is repeated. It matters so much so that devices have been invented and created to remind them of the number. 
beads and for formats and liturgies that are designed to help them remember the number of times they say a certain thing because the form is what matters. As long as you can repeat the words, that is what is of primary concern. Listen, that is a characteristic of the heathen. Heathen religion. I don't care if it has Christian over it or not. You know, again, going back to Cambodia, that was all. I'm telling you, 100% top to bottom, start to finish, all that mattered to a Cambodian Buddhist was, was the form, the way they sat, the way they spoke, the sing-songy kind of tone of their, of their chants. You know, all of that mattered. I was, I would, I, there, were, there would be sometimes when they would have ceremonies, there would be monks, and they call them kruacha, which is like a basically like a preacher, essentially. And they would sit in front of a crowd of people, maybe at a, before a wedding. They would have these ceremonies to bless, the, you know, to bless the wedding and all that stuff. And they would have a group of people, women, men, adults, children, everything, sitting in front of these monks. And the monks, of course, would be sitting in a place of honor in front of everyone. And they would be chanting and they would be doing their thing. Nobody knows what they're saying. That didn't matter. The form mattered, you see. There was no heart there. You would see people sitting there and they, they would be, kids would be sitting there playing, looking around, adults talking to each other. You know, there was no attention. They didn't know what they were saying anyway, but th- there was no attention given. There was no heart. It was only about the form. It was only about the form. Because they thought there was merit in the form. Okay? But sometimes that creeps in to our church, our churches, I should say. And then we come to church, we present ourselves, we do the form, we come in, our heart is not here. But we're here. And we think, well, I'm good, I came, I'm good. Whoa, 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 whoa. You forget there is one who is among us who is searching the hearts and the reins. It's not about being present not about having your tie and your suit and your dress or whatever. It's about our heart being right in the sight of God, being here in heart as well as in body. You know, there are some people among our church that aren't here in body, but they're here in heart. In other words, they would be here. Their desire is to be here, but they can't. Miss Judy is one of those, right? She can't be here today. Her back is down. She's down in her back. But if she could, she would be here. Her heart is here. But does God accept us more readily because we're here in body and she's not? No way. You see how that, the Lord is concerned with our heart. Verse number 146. I cried unto thee, save me. Notice how brief that prayer is. And this touches on what we talked about a minute ago. Look at Luke chapter 18, if you would. Luke 18 Verse number 11, I cried unto thee, save me. Of course, that's not the only time we see a prayer similar to that in the Bible, but notice how short it is. It's not complicated. It's not exhaustive. It's not eloquent. It's brief. But again, God's looking at the heart of the prayer, the heart of the cry. Luke chapter 18, verse number 11 says, and it came to pass, I'm sorry, wrong chapter, 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. This is, of course, the parable of the, the Pharisee and the publican. He prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice in the week and give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not, so, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. There's the indicator of his heart. But smote upon his breast, saying, now if, now just pause a minute. I know I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm going too slow because I need to be fa faster going through our, our set here. But imagine if the publican said, imagine if a man went in, even the Pharisee, the Pharisee knowing what he should say and knowing the form and the, the, uh, the, the right words to say, he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Would that matter? See, it wasn't the action. But see, the action was coming out of the, the publican's heart. It wasn't just the action. This is the fault of religion right here. And listen, we're all in a religion. This is a religion. It's the, it's the form. This is all that we come to church. We do our thing. You know, that's part. We put our money in there. You know, we do. That's all fine and good. But that's not all it is. Otherwise, it's just hollow. It's just a hollow. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Say that five times. You're good. But you can see in this case that the publican's physical action was a, was a token of his heart. You see, that's the difference. And in verse 13, he says this, he would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And of course, we know that the publican went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. But notice this, the Pharisee's prayer is long and eloquent. The publican's is brief. The publican's prayer does not cover all the bases because God's not looking at that. The Pharisees covers all the bases, and God ignores him. It's a striking thing. This is a striking thing, and it goes, it goes really down to the core of our motives. And uh, the Lord just, I just think he just pulls the sheet out, pulls the sheet from over us. He, he takes down all the facades because he wants us to be, to be true and genuine. Back, back at our psalm, it says this, verse, one, uh, verse 146 again. It says, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. It's interesting, in verse 145 and 146, he follows up his cry with a promise to God that he's going to follow through. Notice that? Again, going back to the heart. What is his intention? He's asking God for deliverance but not deliverance to continue to walk away from God, but deliverance to walk with God. You see the difference? The intention of the prayer is different. In one case, in one case, somebody cries out to God because they just want to be rescued. In the other case, one cries out to God because they don't want to live, don't want to live in sin anymore. God sees the difference. We don't see the difference, but God sees the difference. And it makes all the difference whether God answers or not. Verse 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. His cry was heard. His cry being heard before the dawning of the day was a mark of his earnestness. Again, 
I don't know why I'm on this subject. Honestly, when I was preparing this lesson and the message for this morning, I was not thinking along these lines. But we'll go with it. It's totally okay, of course, to get up early. You should get up early, and you should seek the Lord first. But if you get up early and to seek, if you get up early to pray and to read your Bible, just so that you can say you got up early to pray and read your Bible, you've got a problem because of the motive, the motive. However, on the, on the other hand, in this case, the fact that he got up early was, a, was an indicator of how earnest he was. Obviously, he's earnest. He wants deliverance. He's crying in verse 145 and 6. But his earnestness was so strong that he got up before the sun because it was an important matter to him. You see, we can say that we are intent and we are serious all day long. But you know what? If, if a matter cannot affect our schedule or if a matter cannot move us to seek God in special ways, we're not as serious as we claim. That's why fasting... Fasting is, is, hard, is hard. Fasting is not fun. But if something is, is of such importance, if we say, oh, this is so important to me, but we're not willing to do things like that, get up early, spend the night in prayer, fast, how can we say it's, it's that serious to us? If it doesn't affect our schedule, yeah, it's so serious, but I'm going to do the same thing I've always done and not, <laughs> I'm not going to give special attention to it at all. You see what I'm saying? Again, we're going back to the heart. Going back to the heart. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. This is not so much a reference. This is a, perfect, a perfectly good verse. And there are other verses that talk about the importance of us seeking the Lord in the morning. But this is not really talking about that. This is in the context of a, a person who is, has come upon a problem. They're in, a, they're in a, a bad place. They need God's deliverance. And that problem has risen to such importance that it's driving them to seek God special, to seek God at special times. It's driving them to seek God abnormally, different than what they, than what they normally would. And it's really a test of their, of their sincerity and of their uh, seriousness in the matter. All right, we'll pause there, pick back up in 150. Hopefully next week we'll get through 150 down through the next set. Let's pray.